Hey guys, David Reeves here. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast today. Hope you enjoy. And remember, you can catch a new episode every Wednesday at noon central on all your streaming devices. Most of these podcasts have visuals, so if you want to see the entire video, check them out at creationsuperstore.com. They're available on DVD or digital download. All right, let's get to it. Hello, I'm David Reeves, host of Wonders Without Number. In each episode, we talk about breaking discoveries in science, which reveal that our Creator, the God of the Bible, has left a pattern of His fingerprints throughout the universe. Check out our other resources at davidreeves.com. Sign up for email updates to have encouraging nuggets sent straight to your inbox. Subscribe to our free monthly magazine and like us on Facebook for daily inspiration and education regarding science and the Bible. Let's ask the question today, is it possible to have a neutral worldview or does every person ultimately take a position? Let's find out more right now on Wonders Without Number. Welcome to Wonders Without Number. I'm David Reeves, and today we want to inform and inspire you regarding the wonders that we find all around us. An infinite number of wonders that point us directly to our Creator, the God of the Bible. You know, God's fingerprint can be found everywhere, from the farthest galaxy in the cosmos to the microscopic world of genetics and DNA. But ultimately, all scientific fields are drawing us closer to an understanding that the universe shows design, not accidental chance. You know, that includes you and me. You are wonderfully made by a loving Creator who cares for you. We want to give you the tools that you need to defend your Christian faith, and we're going to kick it off right now with today's Heavens Declare as we look at an animal in Africa, the zebra. So, uh Tell me, this is zebra, you say? Yes, it's a small zebra, but... Okay, see I see it right there. Yes. Now, the giraffe track. Yes, the giraffe. This is the giraffe. That's, yes. that's really large there. Yeah. And you can definitely see, especially with the shadows coming in from the sun, it makes it, uh, makes it easy to, to see these tracks. Yes. Well, let's follow them and see where they go. Yes, we can follow. In ancient Roman times, black and white striped horses were trained to pull chariots and circuses. Now, these creatures were known as horse tigers. If you haven't already guessed, the horse tiger referred to what we now call zebras. Native to Africa, there are three, possibly four species, each with its own distinctive stripe pattern. Zebras spend their days in groups called harems. These consist of a stallion and several mares, along with their foals. And if a predator attacks, they will aggressively defend one another. They've been known to kill lions with a swift kick to the head or the jaw. These harems often form larger groups and mix with wildebeests and antelopes for added safety in numbers. These massive groups migrate 1,800 miles each year in search for fresh grazing lands and water. Throughout this migration, each harem stays in a smaller group within the larger group. Of course, 
The most striking feature of zebras is their stripes. Scientists have been researching these black-on-white, or is that white-on-black, patterns, trying to determine how they help zebras. Well, it appears that they have multiple uses. The pattern helps with camouflage, as a large herd of moving black-and-white stripes makes it difficult for a predator to focus on any one zebra in particular. The stripes also confuse horseflies, keeping the insects at bay. They disperse heat, reflecting some 70% of the hot sun away, and may even serve as sunscreen. Zebra foals can recognize their mothers by their stripe patterns, as no two zebras have the exact same pattern. Zebras belong to the same created kind as horses and donkeys. All three can successfully breed with one another, producing zedonks or zonkeys and zorses. Generally, these zebroids, or zebra hybrids, have a brown horse-like coloring, but they'll retain the zebra stripes in some areas. The quagga is an extinct member of the horse kind that looked similar to zebroids, and used to roam Africa in vast herds. European settlers in the 1800s quickly hunted them into extinction, but scientists are working on bringing them back using selective breeding. Hides from the quagga still remain, and scientists were able to extract DNA, and they discovered that the quagga is a subspecies of the plains zebra. Selective breeding of plains zebras is bringing back the look of the quagga, so someday, herds of these beautiful zebras may once again roam the plains of Africa. I'm David Reeves, in South Africa. Truly, the heavens declare the glory of God. Our testimonial today comes from Carla, who writes, I want to thank David Reeves Ministries for their work and their programming. I've shared it with so many of my lost friends, family members, and other believers, including my own family, where the public school system has failed to present evolution as a theory. DRM has helped my children to share their faith and given them the tools to challenge those loose-minded teachers who are ripe for salvation. Thank you, Carla. That's what our ministry is all about. We want to uh, give people the tools so that they can go out and become better, more effective witnesses for Christ in an age when so many of our public school teachers, but also our professors, are atheists, agnostics, or they don't start with a biblical worldview. It is critical that we have a solid foundation so we don't get led astray by the error of the wicked, as the Bible tells us. Now let's meet my guest. Scott Weckerly is a lifelong student of apologetics. He's been teaching locally for over 20 years in the Nashville, Tennessee area, right here. And he's spoken at churches, youth retreats, and conferences. He's a talented musician as well. Scott proclaims the importance of building a biblical worldview based on the truth of God's Word. Thank you for joining me, Scott. Thank you for having me, David. Absolutely. Well now, just tell me a little bit about your history. Have you always been in the Nashville area? No, I grew up in southern Wisconsin and uh, <clears throat> went to college to study music in Texas. And, and, uh, and then when I graduated college, I moved to Nashville okay. and worked as a professional musician since then. That's great. That's great. Now, mostly studio musician or mostly working uh, with live venues or what? Mostly anything I could do. <laughs> Pretty much all of the above. I've done studio work. I've done live shows. Um, I even subbed with the Nashville Symphony a couple of times. Oh, Boy, wow. were they desperate. <laughs> <laughs> no, that shows the talent right there. You definitely have a gift, and I appreciate you using that gift for God's glory as, as you go through. Listen, let's talk a little bit about worldviews. Why don't you kick it off? 
Well, everyone has a worldview, yeah. but most, most of us don't think about it. Yeah. I never thought about it for years. And, you know, when I was sharing my faith with somebody, yeah. I, I would get confused and frustrated because it's like, you know, we have all these wonderful evidences and everything points to a creator God. And yet I would have conversations with people and it, it was like we were talking past each other. Yes. And so when I, I realized that the, when I was taught what worldviews are mm -hmm. and began to recognize that, I discovered that's, that's the problem. There's no problem with evidence. We got all the evidence. Yeah. The problem is we, need, we have different worldviews and our worldview affects the way we view the evidence. So in other words, you're talking to someone who's critical of either biblical history or a biblical worldview, and all of a sudden you start throwing out, but yeah, but look at the evidence that we have on our side, and it doesn't seem to be phasing them at all. Right. You're saying that it's the worldview that's the problem. Exactly, because they're look, we have the same evidence. We have the same fossils. Okay. You know, but we interpret those fossils through our worldview. Yeah. It's like wearing a pair of glasses. It totally affects the way we, we view things. Absolutely, absolutely. So why is it so important to look at the worldview and to have a biblical worldview? Well, looking at the worldview and understanding a worldview um, helps you know how to approach the conversation better. Okay. That's the really big thing it did for me. Yeah. You know, basically we need to understand what a worldview is. Mm -hmm. And basically a worldview, is, you know, real simple terms, is how we view the world. Because everything we uh, experience, we filter through our worldview. Yes, sir. Uh, a little more technically, it would be, it's a network of beliefs, presuppositions, things that we believe to be true before we even look at evidence. Okay. And that's why it affects how we look at the evidence. Uh-huh. It includes things like what we believe is true, mm -hmm. how we decide what is true, mm -hmm. and how we make sense of all of our experiences. Uh-huh. And they're called presuppositions because they're things we, we presuppose. Yeah. We suppose them to be true from the beginning. We don't get our worldview from the evidence. We, fit, we look at the evidence through our world. From a worldview. From a worldview position. Okay. And, and some of the most fundamental things that we assume before we even look at evidence are things like our senses uh -huh. and the function of our brain. Okay. Have you ever thought about whether that was a reliable thing? Huh. No, we all just assume that's true. Yeah, that's true. And yet if our senses were not reliable and our brain, you know, if we're looking at a fossil, it wouldn't do any good to be looking at a fossil and examine it if our brain's not interpreting it correctly. So in other words, even in an atheistic assumption of an atheistic worldview, there's no guarantee that our brains are functioning properly or that we're really seeing what we're seeing. Exactly. And that's one of the, the fun things to point out when you're speaking with someone with an atheist worldview. They, they have no, you know, they don't acknowledge God at all. Uh -huh. And so <clears throat> you can basically say, so you're telling me that, that you are the result of random process chances, accidental mutations over millions of years. So how can you be sure that your brain evolved properly? Wow. How do you know it's functioning correctly? Now, from my biblical Christian worldview, I know it's functioning cor correctly because I was created by God. Yes. All right, so, so if we were created by God, 
in his image. That means that we do have a functioning brain with, I mean, it's just a tiny fraction of a fraction of a fraction of, of what he's able to do. Right. <laughs> he's, he's eternal, but at the same time, we have a brain that allows us to comprehend, to reason, and to think about the things and the, the scientific principles through which God created the universe. Correct. And worldviews, you know, people are real hesitant to give up their worldview. Mm -hmm. I mean, if somebody comes to you with something that disproves the Bible, you're going to filter that through <laughs> your worldview and go, okay, there's got to be more to the story here. I'm going to do some investigation. You're not just going to let it collapse your worldview. And the atheist is going to do the same thing. Okay. And uh, there's, a, there's a famous old story that is a comical story that illustrates worldviews, mm -hmm. is that there was a man that thought he was dead. Okay. And he didn't like being dead, you know, but he, he was just convinced he was dead. Mm -hmm. And his family tried to convince him, and nope, nope, I'm dead, you know. So they said, okay, we'll take him to a doctor. So they take him to the doctor. Mm -hmm. And the doctor says, okay, well, I'll do all these tests. You know, the, yeah, all the tests came out right. Yeah, see, it, it shows you're not dead. Okay. Well, how do you know that the instruments were working correctly? And how do you know you didn't mix up my records with somebody else's? And, you know, all that kind uh -huh. of thing. And the doctor finally goes, okay, do dead men bleed? He thought about it for a minute and said, no, dead men don't bleed. Mm -hmm. And so the doctor immediately took one of those little pokers and poked his finger and he started to bleed. And he said, look, you're bleeding. Yeah. He said, well, what do you know about that? Dead men do bleed. <laughs> <laughs> when you're convinced of your bias, you are going to make it work no matter what. Exactly. Now, we admit as Christians that we do have faith that what the Bible says is correct. We admit that we are going to look at things from a biblical assumption. But in the end, you have to ask yourself, well, where is everything fitting together and which assumption is the most logical starting point? Is it atheism or is it the biblical worldview? Hi, I'm David Reeves, host of Wonders Without Number. Like what you're seeing? You can find so much more on the Creation Superstore. You'll find over a thousand books, DVDs, and other quality resources on origin science, creation, and Bible history. Whether you're looking for nature documentaries, educational books, homeschool resources, or children's videos, we've got it all, so be sure to head over and check it out. Use this special promo code to receive 10% off your first order. The important thing for us as Christians is to understand our biblical worldview and make sure it is a biblical worldview mm -hmm. and then uh, make sure that we use that to contrast with a non-biblical worldview. Okay. That's the key right there is, is just to show the contrast. These things make sense. Yes. You know, the whole anthropic principle, that makes sense mm -hmm. because I start with God. God is a natural state of the universe. Well, now explain, just take a second and talk about the anthropic principle. <clears throat> well, the an anthropic principle um, is, is kind of a term that they gave to all of these things that had to be just right mm -hmm. for life to be possible on Earth. Everything from the size of the sun, the size of the Earth, the distance between the Earth and the sun, the size of the moon and the distance of the moon from the Earth, the tilt of the Earth, the rotation, mm -hmm. all of these things had to be just right. Mm -hmm in order for life to be even be possible. Yeah. And for that to come about as a random chance, uh, one atheist guy um, basically made the comment that, well, it's as if you know, somebody planned all this or the universe knew we were coming uh -huh. because all of these things are perfectly what they need to be for us to have life on Earth and, and 
you know, seasons and all those kinds of things. The thing is, uh, many of these atheistic scientists realize that there have been enough of their colleagues who have slipped up and they have talked about, oh, you know, it's amazing the design of all of this. And wait a second, design requires a designer, right? Uh, it, it's amazing that all of these creations are, wait, wait a second, a creation has to have a creator. And so, they have attempted to patch that. They've attempted to create a rescuing device because they realize that even given the trillions upon trillions of stars that are out there in the universe, that there's not enough chances for life to have originated by, by pure naturalism, right? Right. So they've come up with the idea of multiverses. Basically, you know, we can't see them, we can't observe them, but because the odds are too slim for life to have come about as a result of chance in this universe, well then there must be billions of universes out there and we just happen to be living in one where life evolved. Yes. I mean, you talk about jumping through hoops to try to rescue your theory. <laughs> and isn't it a great rescuing device because you can't prove it. These yes. are all beyond observation. So we can't prove it's wrong because right. it's really hard to prove something wrong that you can't detect in any way. That's a good point. That's a good point. Uh, so it's, it's very effective because you can't check that out. Nope. And I've, I've got the Time, a copy of the Time magazine with one of the original articles on the multiverse. Yeah. And it's very interesting because the very end of the article states, after they go through all this speculation, yeah. it states, if you don't want God, you better have a multiverse. Wow. That's actually in the article in Time magazine. Wow. Okay. So <laughs> let's talk more about how many different worldviews are there. Okay, you, you know, you would think there's lots of different worldviews, yeah. but when you kind of boil it all down, there's basically only two. Okay. There's the biblical Christian worldview, mm -hmm. and then there's everything else. Okay. I mean, really, when you boil it down, that makes sense, because you can, you can try to maneuver or massage all of these other worldview ideas into their own separate categories, but if the Bible is what it claims to be, the inspired Word of God, then there is only one true starting point, and that's God's Word. Everything else is just this false pagan principle of worshiping nature. Yes. Okay. Yes. And so, and that's backed up with the words of Jesus saying that you're either for me or against me. Okay. You know, you either gather or you scatter. Is, there, is it possible to have a neutral worldview? Can we kind of ride the fence? You know, people like to claim they're neutral. I've got a good friend that I've had hundreds of discussions with that uh, um, that's his big claim. I'm neutral. I'm a moderate in politics and I'm neutral on this and this. But there's, there's two things you need to remember when somebody claims to be neutral. Mm -hmm. One is they're not. Okay. And two, you shouldn't be. <laughs> no opinion is an opinion, ultimately. Exactly. Exactly, and the idea that I'm going to approach the evidence without a bias mm -hmm. is itself a philosophical bias, so it's self-refuting. Okay. Refuting. You know, I mean, God either exists or he doesn't exist. Yeah. And so we have the, the claim of the biblical Christian worldview. The Bible starts out with, in the beginning, God. God. And so if that's my starting point, then anything else is not neutral. I did a, uh, a, a news commentary not long ago, which basically looked at this principle. The Bible says in the beginning, God, right? 
And then atheism claims to have replaced God with nature. In other words, with naturalism. We can explain everything in the universe without the need for a creator, for God, okay? But in reality, what they've done is they've replaced God with their own pantheon of gods. Time, chance, natural selection, spontaneous generation. In other words, they've elevated those principles to the position of God. We've explained everything. We don't need God. No, 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 wait. You need a magical principle called time. Given enough time, life can burst from non-life, all right? You, you need the magical principle of natural selection, okay? Given enough time, nature will select, mother nature will select. Have you heard this one oh, before? Yeah. It's like they've personified nature into its own God, mother nature, okay? So it's a pantheon of pagan gods which has replaced the biblical worldview, the biblical God. Right, and evolution as a concept Yes. is also one of those things that mm. they use to replace God. And a lot of times, if you look at an article and read an article, and anywhere it says evolution did this or whatever did this, yeah. time, chance, produced, if you put God in there, okay. replace those words with the word God, it all makes sense. Yes. It all fits. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. For a biblical worldview, we want to start with a solid rock foundation, mm -hmm. and that's going to be that God exists and His word is true. And that's where we want to be our starting point. Okay. Um, because, again, the Bible never tries to prove God's existence. Uh -huh. The Bible starts with, in the beginning, God. Yes. That's our starting point. So if we, if, as Christians, if we accept what the Bible says, and most of us do believe that those things written in the New Testament were true, well, then the things written in the Old Testament are true as well, because what does Jesus himself say? If you can't believe the words of Moses, you can't believe of me, because Moses was writing about me. And people are so confused, they're like, wait a second, Moses in the Old Testament, the first books of the Bible is writing about Jesus? Yes, he was the creator of he was all the creator. things. And Paul confirms that in Colossians. He said, by him everything was made, visible and invisible. And by him all things consist. Yes. He holds it all together. Exactly. All right, one last question. How do we have an effective worldview conversation when we're talking with, let's say, a coworker, a colleague, a, a, a skeptic, someone on the street, someone that we're trying to witness to uh, who for the first time has gone to church with us? What, what, do, what do we say? How do we have that effective conversation? We want to make sure that we have a consistent worldview. Mm -hmm. We don't want contradictions because right. contradictions aren't true. Yeah. And so we can look for contradictions in their worldview. Okay. You know, oh, I believe Jesus was a great teacher, mm -hmm. but I don't believe he was the son of God. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, there's a contradiction right there because you've got all the scripture uh, to go yes. for there. And so we're looking for those kinds of things so that we can challenge the contradictions in their worldview, point them out okay. and, and challenge them on that to get them to think about that. That's interesting. That's so important, and we need to know how to have more effective conversations because often we end up just trying to defend uh, one single solitary thing that someone attacks us with. They're like, oh, Christianity is false because, okay? But that's not really what they mean. Right. Because if you were to answer that to their satisfaction, they would say, 
okay, but Christianity is false because, and they would go at it from a different direction. Right. A lot of times, if you get into something like that where they just keep changing the subject mm -hmm. every time you have an answer or a question, a good question to ask is, so if I could answer all of your questions mm -hmm. to your satisfaction, would you believe in God? <laughs> and a lot of times they'll just honestly tell you, no, no, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to go there. Right. And so there's no use in just sitting there arguing for hours and hours. And I know it's easy to get caught up in that. And you think, oh, if I could just give them just one more piece of proof, it would make the difference and turn them. But some people, do they suppress the thought of God. Yes. They don't want to even admit that it's a possibility. Right. And at that point, they're make, listen, the Lord can touch their heart, absolutely. But you may need to be talking to someone else who is open to actually listening to what the biblical worldview answers because it answers not only all of the great questions of life, but the question of life and death, eternity through Christ. Absolutely. Thank you, Scott, for being here. I'm going to have to have you back on another program. Okay. Thank you, David. Yes, sir. You know, everything we see around us was created in the beginning with purpose by the God of the Bible. That includes life itself, you and me. You know, because of mankind's sin, that life became only temporary. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. But on the cross, our Creator, Jesus Christ, paid that penalty. He has even more to offer you. You see, He offers eternal life to those who trust in Him. And the book of 1 John tells us that God has given to us eternal life, and that life is in His Son. So if you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've really never truly experienced the life that our Creator wants to provide for you. He's given you a beautiful creation to wonder in amazement at, and He invites you to be a part of His family if you sincerely call on Him. I'm David Reeves, and I want to remind you to keep looking up because truly the heavens declare the glory of God. Hello, I'm David Reeves, host of the TV show Creation in the 21st Century on TBN and the Heavens Declare video series. Each week we talk about breaking discoveries in science which reveal that our Creator, the God of the Bible, has left a pattern of His fingerprints throughout the universe. Engage with other like-minded believers through the Creation Club. This website offers thousands of articles written by scores of authors in multiple languages. Sign up to get our free monthly magazine delivered to your door. Want more? Genesis Science Network is our free 24-7 TV network, reaching millions of people around the world on internet, Roku, Fire TV, and mobile devices. Shop over a thousand books and videos on the Creation Superstore, the world's largest origins-related store. Visit our Wonders of Creation Center and sign up for email updates to have encouraging articles sent straight to your inbox. Like us on Facebook for daily inspiration and education regarding science and the Bible.